Foodie lovers, it's time. Hello, food lovers, it's Dave. Are you ready for some foodie fun? Yes, today and every weekday, cooking something good, and your host, Dave Duso, brings you foodie fun adventures and fantastic food talk. Get ready for great recipes, food experts, daily prizes, lots of laughs, and of course, great deals on restaurant certificates and other food-related items at cookingsomethinggood.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, oh no, it's Dave Dussault. My show was produced, the show where I talked about Xfinity customer service was produced before Saturday Night Live's show last Saturday. So if anybody got the idea from anyone else, they, maybe they got the idea from me. I don't know who at Saturday Night Live was listening to me, but hey, I can think that, can I? Well, if you're ready, Cooking Something Good is on the air. The CSG Broadcast Network would like to welcome you, all you foodies, to the Conway Scenic Railroad Broadcast Studio for another absolutely spine-tingling episode of Cooking Something Good, where fun is food and food is fun, and it's always foodie fun time here at Cooking Something Good. It's showtime, and today we're going to talk to Major General Gary W. Keefe. I think the W stands for, whoa, how cool is this? I get to be on Cooking Something Good with Dave Duso. Maybe that's not what the W stands for. General Keefe is the Adjutant General of the Massachusetts National Guard. And that's another way of saying he's the big boss, the big kahuna. And we're going to discuss with him the food in the military. Also, we're going to talk about how many cooks get their start in the military, including the National Guard. Interesting interview on this Veterans Day. I'm looking forward to that. Plus, of course, the chances for you to win with the Dear Dave, the foodie know-it-all, and of course, today's Sharila Dila the Day. But first, a quick thanks to the folks who make all this possible, our great sponsors. The Conway Scenic Railroad. It's an old-fashioned railroading experience. E.L. Harvey Waste Removal and Recycling, quietly improving New England's quality of life with environmentally sound and economically sensible waste disposal and recycling since 1911. Manny's Extra Virgin Olive Oil, the only olive oil I have in my kitchen. Manny's Extra Virgin Olive Oil from Greece with love. Spill Solved, every restaurant should have a container of Spill Solved on site. Spill Solved, the new standard in spill recovery and cooking something good.com. The holiday season is upon us, and the gift of good food is always in good taste. Why not give a great gift and save a little wire at it? You can find all of it at cooking something good.com. Get yourself a nice gift for someone, or maybe even for yourself. And those are our sponsors. Hey, it's time to do some house cleaning. We're going to tick off a few of the boxes here at cooking something good. Let's start with today's. Sharila Deals of the Day. Today's two Sharila Deals of the Day 
The first, a $50 gift card to You Use Japanese Bistro in Nashua. We have a limited supply, 11 of them today. And it's one per customer, $50 gift certificate, half price, just $25. And they don't go on sale until 7 o'clock this morning. You can find it at cookingsomethinggood.com. So be there right at 7 o'clock if you want a chance of getting one of the $50 gift certificates to You Use Japanese Bistro in Nashua for just $25, 50% off. And for our podcast listeners from around the world, it's a $20 gift card for $10 to the restaurant of your choice. Again, find it at cookingsomethinggood.com. They both go on sale at 7 o'clock. And those are today's two great Sharila deals of the day. A couple of great offers. Moving right along to our next segment, another chance for you to win. We're going to answer today's Dear Dave question of the day. Today's Dear Dave question of the day brought to you by Manny's Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Manny's Extra Virgin Olive Oil, the only olive oil I have in my kitchen from Greece with love. Today's Dear Dave question of the day comes from Jean F. in Oaks Bluff, Massachusetts. And she writes, Dear Dave, I'm 29 and newly married, and my wife and I decided to invite my immediate family and her immediate family over for Thanksgiving dinner. It's the first time we've ever hosted the big T-Day bird fest, and neither of us are terrible in the kitchen, but at the same time, neither of us would win any cooking competitions either. My mom has informed us she has invited seven extra people, including cousins and their spouses. I don't think we can handle the extra seven, both from a culinary standpoint or enough room in our modest house. What should we do? Help, Gene F. from Oaks Bluff, Massachusetts. Gene, thank you so much for sending in your Dear Dave question of the day. You sent it in to Dave at cookingsomethinggood.com, just like anyone can. And because we read your question on the air, you're going to win a $25 gift certificate to the Lookout Tavern, and that is in Oaks Bluff. That is what you chose as your restaurant of choice. So congratulations. At least there is some good news coming out of this story. My answer, first, let your mom know in no uncertain terms what she has done is presumptuous, inconsiderate, and completely unacceptable. And then tell her she has to call them all back and tell them it just isn't going to work. And if she refuses, if she won't do it, tell her the entire dinner is off. And you two can have a nice Thanksgiving together or just with your family. Don't get all emotional. Just state it just matter-of-factly and let her know that that's it, period. There is one caveat here, one caveat. If your mother is a stubborn Polish bopshi like mine, you're screwed and I can't help you. Anyway, Gene F., you win the $25 gift card to the Lookout Tavern in Oaks Bluff. You are today's Dear Dave Question of the Day winner. So like I said, at least there is some good news in your future. You get to go to Lookout Tavern. And that is indeed today's Dear Dave Question of the Day. We're going to take a quick break, pay some bills, keep your forks up. We will be right back here at Cooking Something Good. Stick around. Hey foodies, do you have kids? Maybe you're a railroad buff. If you're looking for some great family-friendly fun or you're just a train nerd like me, then the Conway Scenic Railroad is a must because they not only combine family fun with the feeling of old-time rail travel, 
but they have great full kitchen cars and offer different meal options depending on what excursion you choose. A train ride with the kids, food and drinks, the beautiful New Hampshire countryside, it's a great day in beautiful North Conway. And after your trip on the Conway Scenic Railroad, there's still so much to do. North Conway is a restaurant town, it's an outdoor activities town, and for people who love to shop, there's great little artsy boutiques as well as the Settlers Green Outlets. So if you like to shop, this is a great town. For more information about the Conway Scenic Railroad, go to cookingsomethinggood.com and click on the little train icon that says Conway Scenic Railroad. The Conway Scenic Railroad, it's an old-fashioned railroading experience. When can their glory fade? Oh, the wild charge they made. All the world wondered. Honor of the charge they made. Honor the light brigade. Noble 600. And because it's Veterans Day and this is a food show, let's talk about food in today's military. Joining us now is Major General Gary Keefe. He's the Adjutant General of the Massachusetts National Card. He's the big boss. He's the head banana, big kahuna, top dog, big daddy. He oversees the strategic direction, administration, operation of the Massachusetts National Guard with an annual budget of $450 million. He is a 1986 graduate of Norwich University, a 2003 graduate of the United States Air War College, a 2011 Harvard University Kennedy School of Government graduate, and most importantly, a 1976 graduate of the Vernon Street School of Playing Blacktop and Giving Wedgies General Keefe, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us on this Veterans Day. And thank you and thanks to all the women and men who serve our nation. We are so thankful for their sacrifices they and their families make every day to keep us safe. General Keefe, thanks for being with us. Dave, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, wow, like I said, it's probably the most serious I've ever heard you since, <laughs> since when we first met at Jackson Street School Kindergarten in 1969. So it's a pleasure to talk to you as usual, my friend. Yeah, my friend. Hey, in 1775, the Second Continental Congress passed legislation, and that provided the Army with the first individual ration. Each week, soldiers were provided with one pound of salted beef, fish, or three-quarter pounds of pork, three pounds of beans or peas. That must have been pleasant. A half pint of rice, hard bread, also known as hardtack, a pint of milk per day, and in some cases, four ounces of rum per day. And that wasn't so they get drunk. That was to help them combat scurvy. Nowadays, feeding soldiers is a science. Can you talk about the food soldiers eat in today's military? And is it different if you're deployed in a combat zone as opposed to non-combat deployments? Yeah, so, you know, I, I will tell you through the years, like a lot of things, the military and its cuisine and its training of, of the cooks and stewards, has really evolved. You know, you go back and like you had just kind of mentioned, you know, the Second Continental Congress and, and Washington's Army, what folks were looking at. But nowadays, it's uh, some of the best cooks in the country and in the world actually get their training through the military services. The difference when we deploy and when we're at home station or in a home station base or in garrison is it really it's just a permanent facility. The meals that are cooked are pretty equivalent to what you would get in a restaurant that is uh, um, probably, uh, what I would say, Dave, is uh, it's something that's equivalent to a, a, a mid-level to high-level restaurant. Certainly nothing like a five-star restaurant, but 
you're getting fabulous food and it comes with salad bars and multiple different desserts and they usually offer you three to four different entree selections that the service member can as they walk through the line can kind of make a selection on when we're deployed the selections a little bit smaller and when we are in, in an expeditionary type of operation it's usually put together and, and served out of a tent most of the time it is military men and women that are actually cooking and serving the meals but because there's such a high demand in that deployed area a lot of times it's augmented with military contractors that specialize in setting up bear base operations to include housing bedding of the troops as well as uh, the feeding of the troops. You know, the other thing too is you and I, when we were kids growing up, you know, Vietnam War was coming to an end and, and we used to see a lot of, remember, sea rats, sea rations coming out of Korea and, and Vietnam, the the meals ready to eat now uh, that they have that come in these, these packages that you can heat up with a, a, a small flame. Uh, they've got all types of different different choices and menus, everything from macaroni and cheese to uh, spaghetti and meatballs to pork. It's actually the one thing you don't ever hear about anymore when it comes to uh, service members is there's no more whining about the food. The food is actually very, very good. And that's interesting because I just talked to the other night someone you and I both know well, Eugene Jean DeFilippo, who was our high school vice principal who used to scare the living hell out of both of us. But he was also a World War II B-24 bomber pilot who flew 24 combat missions before he was 20 years old, which is amazing. You think about the kids today who whine about having to do the dishes and the things that they went through. But he said the food was, you know, the MREs were terrible, but that's all they had on the long flights. So really, times have really changed. Hey, you talked about yeah, a lot of chefs, people who want to go in, young people who want to be chefs. A great place to train is the National Guard or the military. Talk to the young person out there who's interested in being a chef and, they, and, and what it offers, the, the military and your National Guard offers. Yeah, so, you know, across the military, you know, the, the active, active, uh, active duty, the National Guard, or even the Army Reserve, the Air Force Reserve, the Marine Corps Reserve, we all offer the same thing. It's pretty much just where, where you want to serve and what kind of how often you want to be working in uniform. Uh, so what we, I'll speak to, you know, I came off regular active duty, continued on active duty in, in the Massachusetts Air National Guard, and then I converted to a, now I'm what's called a traditional guardsman or, or a military day uh, soldier. I'm a, I'm a part-time, part-time Air National Guardsman in the Massachusetts National Guard, but as the adjutant general, um, I'm a full-time state employee and, I, and I, I have the command and control over the Massachusetts Army and Air National Guard. And uh, so what, what we offer in the Guard is the same thing that's offered in every other branch of the service. So let's say you're a young man or woman and, and you wanna pursue a career in the culinary arts, in the, in, in the world of cooking and cuisine. What we do is we, we send you, you finish, you go through basic training, either Air Force basic training, Army basic training, then we, then we will send you off to the cooking tech school where you will kind of be trained as a cook, as a chef. And they do, they start you off as like a sous chef or a prep cook and you slowly work your way up. And as you work your way up and continue to kind of test and, and hone your craft, through the technical schools that are required to get promoted, then at that time, your skill level comes up. And a lot of times what we find is, you know, the young men and women that come in, they, they don't want to make a career out of the military. You know what? And that's fine. They will learn the skill set. They will get promoted. And then they will actually uh, decide to kind of leave the military and they go to work 
in restaurants. A lot of them go on to other culinary schools, like the American Culinary Institute. Um, a lot of them pick up uh, uh, jobs in hotels uh, working in the kitchens. I know a lot of kids that I actually had served with when I was on active duty and even in the Massachusetts National Guard. A lot of them pick up jobs in, uh, on cruise ships and uh, cruise lines. And it's really interesting because you see more of that now with this generation. This generation really wants to get the most out of life. It's all about, with these young men and women nowadays, how can they make the most of every day so when they do leave this earth, they, they, they leave nothing behind. You know, we used to hear, I know your kids probably said, I, my kids used to say the whole YOLO thing, right? You only live once. So, you know, a lot of them kind of take the skill set, be it cooking, be it uh, uh, security, military police, be it avionics on an aircraft. Uh, they take that skill set. Uh, a lot of them move on to the civilian world and kind of, you know, find a job that they can find that balance where they're enjoying life and, and kind of still kind of following their passion, be it cooking or something else. The beauty of the National Guard, Deuce, is that you can do that and still kind of stay within your state. And so if you find a place that you like to live, you want to settle down with your family, you join your National Guard, you continue to serve in uniform, and you balance that civilian career with a military career. Let's talk about your family, which has an amazing record of serving our country. I think back to your father, General George Keefe, uh, your uncle, Ed your brothers, your sisters, some of your kids. Uh, I think about your mom, Kathy, and the sacrifices she made. Can you talk a little bit about the tradition in the Keefe family, like so many military families, as it pertains to service to our country? Sure, sure. So, you know, for us, you know, growing up, as you know, you mentioned my dad, George Keefe, and uh, my uncle, Ed. You know, the two of them grew up in, in Northampton on Prospect Street, the house I grew up in, the, the house that you came to birthday parties and stuff. <laughs> and, um, they're... Uh, their dad, my, my father's father, Edward Keefe, he was a World War One veteran. He died of an aneurysm when my dad was five and my uncle was seven. And then shortly after that, my, my grandmother, Margaret Keefe, came down. I think she was the first polio victim in Northampton. So long story short was the fact that, you know, she had to go away for a while until uh, they could kind of get her back and get her muscles working again. So my dad and my uncle kind of got shipped around a little bit. But when they came back in, you know, the, the two of them, decided, you know, they graduated high school. Uncle Ed was married and I think had my cousin Ed. And they decided, hey, uh, they wanted to kind of go into the military or go into law enforcement. They decided to kind of go over and talk over at the 104th Fighter Wing. At that time, it was called the 104th Tactical Fighter Group in Westfield. And uh, they both ended up kind of enlisting o over there. The reason I kind of bring this up is it gave them a uh, not just a sense of purpose and some security, but it, it allowed them to not just spend for their families, but to kind of look out for my grand grandmother as well. My dad, as you know, he started out as a as, as a nose striper, and he is actually he is in the Air Force Enlisted Hall of Fame down in uh, uh, Maxwell Air Force Base, Gunter Annex, Alabama. But he started as a nose striper and ended up retiring as a major general and as the 39th adjutant general of Massachusetts. Um, so for us growing up, Dave, as you know, is we just kind of knew our dad put on this Air Force uniform and went to work, and uh, we kind of knew there was airplanes over there. Can I just and can I just that, Dave? can I just interject sure. something quick? I absolutely loved your father and your uncle Ed, and they scared the living out of me. They really. <laughs> They were the nicest people. <laughs> they just gave you that look, and you're like, uh, uh. Yeah. In, in, in a lot of families, you know, my dad, my dad was not, was, was the easygoing one. It was, you know, your mom, your mom raised two boys, you know, my mom raised four. 
it was the moms that were really the tough ones that kept us in line, you know. It's so um, true. But yeah, he, he he would give you that look, and he you know he he always he was very even tempered, and uh, it, probably the fairest man I ever met in my life. But you know, like so we saw that happen, and then we kind of just decided, oh, I think I'd like to do that. So you know, you and I graduated Hamp High in Northampton High in 1982, and. You know, I just kind of knew I was going to go to college. I knew I needed some structure. So I ended up going up to Norwich University and doing uh, ROTC, Air Force ROTC. My brother Jim came behind me a, a year later, and Jim was always knew he wanted to be a pilot. And, uh, and my brother Pat was four years behind me at Norwich, and he ended up uh, going into the, the, the Army Guard, retired as a colonel. My brother Jim ended up retiring from the Air National Guard as the 104th Fighter Wing uh, as a, as a one-star. And then uh, my brother Tim, who was on his way to come into the, the uh, Air Force, Air National Guard as a security forces officer, and then about a month before he was supposed to go off to school, his, his wife passed away, and he was hardship uh, discharged out, and he uh, has been following a career as a law enforcement uh, police officer with a drug task force up in the New Hampshire area. So long story short, it was just kind of something that was uh, it just – it was in our DNA, I guess, you know, to kind of serve. I never meant to make a career out of it. I just ended up enjoying the people I work with. And, uh, you know, they are the finest men and women you could ever want to be around. I ran into an old classmate of yours named, uh, what was it here? I wrote it down, strange name. Yeah, here, it was, his name was Pezzi. And he said you played soccer in high school. <laughs> and in your senior year, scouts from all around the world, college and professional scouts came to your high school, our high school, not just from soccer, but every sport from cricket to curling and everything in between. He said even Red Auerbach showed up because they wanted to witness in person <laughs> the kid who ran the 40-yard dash in four days flat. Any truth to that? I, that is, you know, I, <laughs> listen, I think, I, think, I, think Scott, I think Scott was on that bike. You know, he's a big bikist now, and I think – he must have been pedaling for days and lost oxygen to his brain when he came up with that. I've never, you know me as long as he has. I've never enjoyed running. I, I could run when I was in high school uh, on the soccer field and on the lacrosse field, uh, but no, I've never enjoyed running. And, and you know me, I was, I was pretty much the guy that, you know, I'd run, but I was also the guy that was pretty much kind of getting bounced for getting in a fight on a field and things like that. So yeah, well, and we didn't. I, I, I had people. <laughs> I had people that thought I was a, I, I actually, I had remember, you remember this. I had some parents that basically thought I was the dirtiest player on the field. And you played with Muser. And you're, it, it, yeah. Well, and I remember your dad one time stuck up for me and basically said, Keeper's not dirty. He's just very aggressive is what he said. Very so, aggressive. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I wasn't, fa I wasn't the fastest, but I wasn't afraid to kind of lay somebody out. <laughs> At Vernon Street School during Blacktop, we wouldn't even bother tagging you. It's like, uh, it's like you know, it's like killing a dead <laughs> fish, man. Just let them go. Nobody well, tag them. Yeah, well, that's because yeah, well, you weighed all of, what, 35 pounds soaking <laughs> wet back then? Oh, I could run like the wind. I remember the first time I gained weight. Two things that hit me. The first was I woke up at like... I remember I was like 35 years old. I woke up in the middle of the night and I woke my wife up. I said, Mary, wake up. She goes, what do you want? I said, I'm fat and bald. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I went to sleep fine. You're not, oh. you ain't fat. You, I'll be honest with you. You get, you got no love handles on you. Like I said, when I saw you two, three weeks ago, we we're sitting at Joe's, Allison and I, you're waiting for your order. You're not, you are not fat. You know, I, uh, I, um, I got some, just kinda, I got a little bit. I buy bigger clothes. That's my secret. 
<laughs> me, like I said, I I need to continuously work, and I my daughter's getting married next July, and I'm on strict orders that I need to drop weight, or else I will not be allowed in the family wedding photos. Uh oh. The yeah. years roll by, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us on Cooking Something Good. And uh, thank you, thanks to you and your entire family and the families of the men and women and the men and women across the country who serve our country every single day. We really appreciate it. Major General Gary Keefe. Hey, Dave. Thank you. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, it's going to be the foodie know-it-all question of the day. Stick around for cooking something good. We'll be right back after this. Hey, foodies, welcome back to Cooking Something Good. You know, when it comes to your kitchen, some things you determine to be necessities, and everyone has their own unique preferences. And for me, it's very good extra virgin olive oil. In my kitchen, there's always only one, and that's Manny's Olive Oil. It comes from the Greek island of Crete. Manny's Olive Oil is harvested by hand, which is very rare in this day and age. It's not harvested by a huge automated machine, And that means there's no chemicals, and it means only the best olives make it into each bottle. I can tell the difference. It's the only olive oil I keep in my kitchen. Manny's olive oil comes from his family's own native olive trees on Greece's largest island, Crete. This affordable gourmet olive oil has a unique and bold flavor that can't be found anywhere else. Manny uses only the highest quality of olives, which means they produce only the highest quality of olive oil. You can find Manny's olive oil as well as restaurant gift certificates and other great food-related items at cookingsomethinggood.com. Cookingsomethinggood.com. Manny's olive oil from Greece with love. I'll make 